This is the Read to Lead podcast, episode 300. If your messaging is confusing, if your website is difficult to navigate, if any aspect of of their first impression of you is not as crystal clear as it should be, then what the brain will automatically do unconsciously is determine that doing business with you or working with you is going to be complicated. Hi there, and welcome to the podcast dedicated to your personal and professional growth. It is the Read to Lead podcast episode 300. I'm Jeff Brown, and I believe that if you want to achieve true success in your business and in your life, then intentional and consistent reading is a must. The Read to Lead podcast is going to help you narrow things down, narrow this reading list, and bring you key insights and ideas from some of today's most successful and inspiring authors. And speaking of narrowing things down, niching down, uh, today's guest is going to help us do that and so much more. His name is Bill Cates. And he's author of the book, Radical Relevance, Sharpen Your Marketing Message, Cut Through the Noise, Win More Ideal Clients. I'll be asking Bill to share about understanding the relationship between the brain and relevance, how to create an effective value proposition, the importance of turning differentiation into benefits, and much, much more. I'm always on the lookout for great podcasts, and one, in fact, I've known about for a long, long time that I wanted to recommend to you today is called The Overwhelmed Brain by Paul Coliani. It's a show that helps you achieve less stress and more happiness. One of Paul's goals is to help you become more empowered and honor yourself so that you can make decisions that are right for you. Mindfulness, compassion, and being in the present moment are only components of a bigger picture, he says. He wants to help you get to the root of emotional issues with solid relationship advice and personal help. If affirmations don't work for you and you're tired of being told to think positively, start listening to The Overwhelmed Brain for a Better Life. I've linked to it in the show notes. You can find those at readtoleadpodcast.com slash 300 for episode 300. Bill Cates is the founder of Referral Coach International, working both with individuals and with organizations that want to acquire more clients and customers through word of mouth, through referrals, and personal introductions. In other words, if you want to increase your revenue without increasing your marketing expenses, you've come to the right place. This is a conversation that you're definitely going to want to stick around for. Uh, Bill's new book, he's written several, is called Radical Relevance. Sharpen your marketing message, cut through the noise, and win more ideal clients. Bill, it is a pleasure to meet you. Thanks for being here. Hey, great to be with you, Jeff. Thank you. Well, right off the bat in the intro of the book, Bill presents some of the biggest challenges for us today when crafting our marketing messages. Bill, talk about overload and inertia, if you would. (laughs) Yeah. So when it comes to our outward stroke of trying to bring in new clients, uh, I think everybody here knows that uh, we, we live in an age of marketing message overload, right? The internet has created that for us. And the brain doesn't like that. The brain shuts down to only things that are super, super relevant. And so we've got to fight against that. And, and certainly one of the, uh, the quickest ways to become relevant in, in a prospect's life, in anybody's life, is an introduction from someone they already trust. So that's one of the easiest ways to cut through all the, uh, the, the marketing message overload. And we'll talk about a few other things here today. And then the other, one of the obstacles we create in, in, or face in trying to bring in new business is inertia. 
right? People are either stuck doing what they're doing or they're stuck doing nothing. And they, you know, making a change is difficult. And when it's, you put those two together, it's hard to reach people, hard to get your message through. And then it's hard to compel them to, uh, to look at a different way to act. It, it's, it's a challenging business development environment. Well, at its core, radical relevance is about finding the, the bullseye for your business, Bill says. Bill, Bill, talk a bit about what you call your, your right fit client and maybe even some of the rules of, of radical relevance. Yeah, sure. So here's the way I see it. A picture, a, a target, an archery target, if you will, with concentric rings of different colors. So the target represents your target market. Now, a business can certainly have more than one target market. If you're just starting out in business, I don't recommend trying to do <laughs> two targets or three targets at once that get one down first. And then on each target is the bullseye. What the bullseye is, your ideal, or I like to call it right fit client. These are the people who you really want to serve or meant to be served by you, like to be served by you, appreciate your value for all the reasons you want to be appreciated. They're typically the easiest folks to work with, generally speaking, and they're typically the most profitable clients or customers as well. And the mistake that I found is a lot of businesses for fear of giving up certain opportunity, tend to make their message a little too wide or try to hit two markets at, you know, with one message. And the problem with that is it waters down the message. It makes the message less effective. And so we want to be able to know who our target is, what our target looks like, and then know the bullseye. And then when you bring in just the right folks, over time, everything gets easier, more profitable. It's the best way to build a business. You mentioned the rules of, of relevance. So I mentioned one of them already, which is the shortest route to relevance is through an introduction from a trusted source. I'll give you one more and we can get into more later if you want. But uh, rule number two is give your clients or customers a seat at the table. We don't ever want to develop marketing approaches, a, a message copy for our website, LinkedIn profile, whatever it may be, without talking with some of our key clients and, and even prospects with whom we, we've formed some good relationships. Uh, because what happens is we, we tend to get insular. We tend to get marketing speak, industry jargon speak. We tend not to use the words that they use and that, that are in their head. And we need to make sure that we're using words, concepts that are already in their head, things that they will recognize immediately so the brain will latch on more quickly and it'll resonate with them. So those are a couple of the rules. Well, that's the rules, a couple anyway. What would be some of the principles, Bill, of, of radical relevance? You get into this in, I think it's chapter three of the book or chapter two of the book. Chapter two, that's right. Yeah, so we have 17 rules and lots of good stuff there. But the principles are a little different. And this, these all came from my, my uh, long history in, in direct marketing and advertising. And, you know, these are things that on the surface, everybody kind of knows. <laughs> But I'm going to go through these in a second. But a lot of people don't always consider them. And so consider this as a, as a checklist uh, as you're organizing a marketing campaign or as you're evaluating a marketing campaign after the fact. These are the things you want to make sure are in place. And pretty simple, but not always easy to or simple to understand, but not always easy to implement. Mm. So the right market, right? We talked about the right target market and the right person, the bullseye. We got to make sure that the messaging is directed at the right market, it's directed at the right person. We're trying to address and or solve the right problems or help them take advantage of opportunities. Now, problems have a little more strength, a little more emotional oomph than opportunities do. I like to talk in terms of both, but we got to make sure these are all congruent. There's a match here. Uh, we got to deliver the right product or service to solve that problem for the right person, for the right market. Right market. We got to make the right offer, the right medium. Is it going to be digital? Is it going to be radio, TV, mail? You know, what is? How is the medium? 
could be a, a, a variety of those. Uh, the right timing and, of course, the right messaging ultimately. And so if you have a marketing program that didn't perhaps produce the result that you would have liked, look at those eight principles. Maybe, you know, were you, were, was it the right message for the right market solving the right problem? Uh, usually you can find a place you are off or you can fine tune and make your next effort even better. I loved your uh, dollars in your mailbox uh, story mm-hmm. uh, and, and your response to the comment, I think it was, but I don't do direct response marketing. Can you expound on that a little bit? Yeah, sure. So what got me started in direct response many, many years ago, in, in fact, uh, 1978, before there was an internet, <laughs> uh, I, I read a book called Dollars in Your Mailbox, The Beginner's Guide to Selling Information by the Mail. And it was written by a gentleman by the name of Ernest P. Weckesser. And anyway, so it was all about how to sell information through the mail. Well, guess what? You know, what is is content marketing, right? The same thing. (laughs) And uh, back then, uh, it was, uh, you know, a little ads in the back of popular science and and different kinds of magazines, space ads, you know, classified ads. And so I started dabbling in that a little bit and and got actually pretty good at it. (laughs) And so learned all about the principles of direct, direct response. And then you know, people will say, well, Bill, I'm not in direct response marketing. And my contention is, yes, you are. In fact, everybody is. We're mm. all in direct response marketing. Why? Because every <laughs> message that we put out there should be designed for some sort of response. Mm. Now, it may be just an internal response, a thought or feeling that we want to get someone to trigger. Or in most cases, it's going to be an action we want. It's going to there needs to be a call to action. So whenever we develop an email we send to somebody uh, a, or a big marketing campaign or whatever it may be, do we have a call to action? Mm. Are we very clear on what we want that person to do, to click, to call, to whatever it may be? And so everything we do should have a response involved. Well, Bill says that applying some of the principles of neuroscience will mm. transform your business. Uh, Bill, I'm wondering if you'd share a bit about the relationship between the brain and relevance in your view. Yeah, so chapter three is the neuroscience of relevance. And, and I am by no means a neuroscientist or a scientist <laughs> of any stretch, but I'm fascinated with this. I'm just, uh, and, you know, brain science has come such a long way. 25 years or, ago or so, they everybody thought that the brain was static, that all you could do is kill brain cells from a, you know, weekend party or something. But <laughs> and now we know that there's this thing called neuroplasticity, and the brain is really a living, active even growing thing. But what I wanted to look at is how, you know, how does the brain interpret our messaging? You know, it's an unconscious kind of thing going on, right? And how do we hit that so we can resonate with people? That's ultimately what we want to do. We want to resonate with them. We want to be relevant or it'll be ignored. Mm. And we want to compel them, move them to take action or we'll be forgotten. So I'll give you a couple of things I picked up. Number one, we know that the brain is scanning its environment roughly six times a second. That's pretty fast, right? Mm. Roughly six times a second, am I safe? Where am I? Am I safe? Where am I? Am I safe? Right? It wants to be safe. It's for the preservation of the organism. And about three times a second, it's looking, is there an opportunity? Now, so the brain is built for action. It's built for taking action and looking for opportunities, but only when it feels safe, mm. only when it's in a safe environment. So guess what? It's, it's no accident that most of the marketing and the messaging and content marketing that we produce that taps into problems and looks to offer to solve problems and illuminates problems is generally more effective 
than the type of marketing that's just targeted towards the opportunities. Now, I like to do both because you never know which is going to resonate. And once they do feel safe or once you uh, demonstrate some empathy by understanding their problems, then they'll look for the opportunities. But just knowing that helps us uh, adjust and adapt uh, how we write about and talk about our business. Another thing is uh, called cognitive fluency. Big words, but what it essentially means is if your messaging is a little bit complicated or confusing, if your website is difficult to navigate, if any aspect of, of their first impression of you is not as crystal clear as it should be, then what the brain will automatically do unconsciously is determine that doing business with you or working with you is going to be complicated. Mm. It takes that leap. Now, it may not be, but it's not seeing that. So that's why simplicity and clarity in our messaging is so critical. And that, by the way, is where the uh, the rule number two of giving your clients or customers a seat at the table when you develop this mm. is so important because it may be clear to you, but you you have context that no one will ever have about your business and about your product or service, et cetera. And so we've got to make sure we check it out with people who have no context. And then if it's simple and clear, we're, we're probably on to something. So those are just a couple of the aspects that I learned in, in studying neuroscience around this. I so resonate with, with what you're saying, Bill. Over the last year, I've been working with a business partner. We've created some some training programs for physicians, and we've gained so much knowledge and value from from talking to current and previous uh, clients as as to you know what what brought them to us what brought them to a decision to work with mm-hmm. us so how did they find us those kinds of questions have been super super valuable yes yeah, you know the path to decision and mm-hmm. and we want to know what those paths look like and everyone's will be a little bit different but you can usually create some common denominators there and so you know how people are coming to your world And that helps you craft your messaging, right? It's going to be more relevant. Now, we're related to that is is your value proposition, which can Mm -hmm. go by a a number of of different Mm -hmm. names. It's the basis (laughs) of your relevance, uh, Bill says. Uh, Bill, what uh, has your experience taught you about creating an effective value proposition? Yeah, so I, I look at value proposition a little bit differently than some people. A lot of folks equate value proposition with elevator pitch, elevator speech, uh, value positioning statement, the, the short way to describe your business. Mm. And we need that. We, we all need very short ways to describe what we do, how we do it, who we do it for, why we do it, all of that. So I'm not discounting the importance of that. And to me, the value proposition is really the sum total of your business, the sum total of how you show up in the lives of your prospects and clients, your customers and strategic alliances and centers of influence and even employees, by the way, for the large organizations. All of this, by the way, applies internally within an organization. So here's an exercise that I recommend that every business does from time to time. And, and, and if you're a solopreneur, you know, solo practice, find someone else on your team or someone else to help you with this. But essentially, look at the client or the customer journey from the minute you meet someone, whether they're coming to your website or calling or you're calling them. And through the, the onboarding process, through the, the entire relationship as it exists, what are all the points of value that you bring? What are the questions you ask? What are the, the things you teach? What are the places you're responsive service? What are the things that make you a little different that create a good benefit? 
all of that, that whole range. And by the way, when you do this with your team, it's amazing how everybody becomes, you know, like amazed by all the value that you bring and all the different ways. And it gets everybody on the same page because that's one thing an organization needs is everybody being on the same page in terms of the value and the expression of that value. Mm. And then you take that body of work that you've created and then you meet with some customers and maybe some key prospects. And you discuss this with them and you say, how does this resonate with you? And how would you describe this? And if you were to introduce us to someone, what would you say? And so then you get their input in this and then you put that all together. And now you have really your entire company's value proposition, all the places of value. And from there, then you start to pull out things uh, to answer those short questions of what do you do? How do you do it? Why do you do it? Who do you do it for? And all those sorts of things. So it's a very powerful exercise to do from time to time. Mm. Well, chapter five asks, what makes you different? Uh, I'm wondering, Bill, if you would speak to relevant differentiation and, and turning differentiation into benefits ultimately. Yeah. So, you know, differences that only differences that matter, matter. What I mean <laughs> by that is you can find fun, cute, interesting ways to differentiate your business. You know, you can paint your building purple, you can do whatever you want. But if it, if it doesn't tie directly to a benefit to your prospect or to your client, it might attract attention initially. That's fine. But if it doesn't go any further than that, then you may have lost them. So the, the mistake I see a lot of folks make is they come up with their list of things that make them a little different, ways they offer their value, processes, things like that, but they don't tie it directly to a benefit. They kind of expect the prospect to, to make that, that connection to the benefit. So let me give you uh, some examples. Uh, I was working with a bank, still working with a particular bank up in New England, and one of their, what they believed was a unique selling proposition was the fact they'd been in business for 127 years. Well, that's a feature, but, you know, so what? That's the question you always want to ask. You know, to, to someone young, they may think, all right, 127 years old, stodgy, you know, don't have a digital platform. I don't want to do this with them. Someone a little older might think, well, okay, you know, they've been around and they've weathered all the storms and that's good. I like that. But we don't know how it's going to resonate it with someone else. So we, what, what we want to do is translate that into a benefit. You know, what makes you different in a way that matters? Well, a target market. If you're a specialist or an expert in a specific market, if you have processes to design for that specific market, that can make you different. Or even your process. If you have a proprietary process that no one else has, mm. that's a way to create differentiation. So we have to always make sure that when we think about what makes us different, how are we going to translate that into something that is meaningful to a prospect or client? So, you know, expertise specialization is one. Target market is one. Uh, having that very specific process for discovering, revealing problems, you know, uh, and, and how you stay in touch with folks can make a, a differentiation. What you don't want to do is use platitudes like we really get to know our clients or customers or we, we really care about our clients. Well, first of all, that's the minimum for being in business these days. But everybody's saying that if, if what you say a lot, a lot, a lot of other people can say it, too, it's not a differentiator. When I give a speech, I'll, I'll, I'll say to folks, you know, raise your hand if you talk about your client service or customer service in a, in a context of differentiation. And usually about 70 or 80 percent of the hands go up. 
Well, guess what? That's not a point of differentiation. <laughs> that many hands go up. doesn't mean you don't talk about it. It doesn't mean you don't tell stories about it, but you don't see it as a point of differentiation. Mm, that's, uh, that's a great illustration. 75% <laughs> of the hands go up. And you're like, oh, how different are you if everybody else in the room is doing what you're doing? That's, I love that illustration. Yeah, and, and the truth is, Jeff, the other 25% just didn't feel like raising your hands. So. <laughs> it's just lazy. <laughs> Well, I don't know that I've come across a book uh, that lays out the process of creating the right target as well as, as Bill's book does. Bill, I work with so many clients who struggle with this idea of, of narrowing uh, mm-hmm. their target, of, of really getting laser-like in, in their focus. Can you talk about the benefits of defining or, or, or narrowing your target market and maybe help those who might be struggling with this, this concept? Sure. Um, first of all, before I hit the benefits, and we've got eight of them in the book, is why people don't do this, right? Mm. And it's usually mistaken assumption, limiting thinking sometimes. In other words, the thinking is if I just go after this group, whatever that may look like, this niche, this market, then I'll lose all this other opportunity. And the truth is, yes, you may. But you'll be so successful in your niche that you won't even notice that. You won't care. <laughs> you won't care. Or if you're going to have more than one target, fine. Just make sure you don't try to make all your messaging you know, uh, resonate with both markets at the same time. Because then you may get no resonance whatsoever. Mm-hmm. So you've got to split it up. You've got to segment your, your base a little bit. So a few things. Number one, target marketing makes it easier to identify your prospects, right? It's easier to attain lists. It's easier to find out where do these people congregate. You know, then you can figure out what is the right medium to reach them, uh, for instance. Uh, you, it allows you to bring not just more perceived value, but real value. You get to know them in a way that a generalist won't. Mm. And so initially, the value will be perceived as better by, by how you talk and the questions you ask. But then they're going to see you really know their world better than other people. And the deeper and longer you go into target market, you know, the, the richer your value becomes. It, it helps you deliver, as I mentioned, more relevant messaging. It helps you become more referable faster. You know, for 25 years, I've dedicated my business to helping businesses create more referrals and more introductions. Well, guess what? It makes you more referable faster. Mm-hmm. Why? Because you have empathy for their situation. They see that. It resonates. You bring value more quickly. They know people like themselves. There's all kinds of ways to make that generate more referrals. I, I call it reputation marketing. When you have a, when you develop a reputation within a target market, then all the referrals, the word of mouth, the introductions become easier and easier. Uh, Another item is you'll be able to leverage others targeting the same market, Mm. right? If you're targeting market, guess what? There are other businesses and sometimes you can create synergies with those businesses. I'll give you one example. Uh, Luke is a financial advisor in um, Cincinnati and big target market in Cincinnati is Procter & Gamble and that's his market. And he has a newsletter devoted to the employees of Procter & Gamble. He knows their their benefits package better than the HR department knows it. And guess what? He's partnered up with accountants. He's partnered up with tax preparers. He's partnered up with estate plan attorneys, other people that also are targeting that same niche. And they create a lot of synergies for each other. And everything gets easier and more profitable. And and really, that's the final one is your business is going to be more profitable uh, because everything else gets easier. Again, you're going to be working with the best possible clients. It's going to be easier to find those people more referrals, more introductions. Ultimately, it's going to impact the bottom line. Well, solving the right problems is the focus of Chapter 7. Bill talked earlier about the principles of radical relevance and solving the right problems is one of them. Why is it important to, as, as you say, Bill, identify the, quote, villain 
in the story? Yeah, so there's different levels of problems. And, and I got this concept from a, a gentleman by the name of Donald Miller, Don Miller. Mm. Uh, he wrote a book called Building Your Story Brand. And so this chapter is really kind of an explanation of, of what he talks about. And if you think about it, building a story brand, well, it's about a story. And, and Donald uses movies and things like that. So here's the way he positions it. One mistake that so many businesses make, especially sole proprietors mm. particularly, is they turn themselves into the hero. Go to the website, it's everything about the business, everything about the person, the, the LinkedIn profile. But guess what? You're not the hero. <laughs> your, your clients, your prospects are the hero, right? They're the Luke Skywalker, you're the guide, you're the Yoda. And so when you position them as the hero and you start to talk in ways that they can identify with their own story, it's going to resonate. And then you're the guide to help them. Well, in every story, there's also a villain, right? Darth Vader, whoever is the villain. And so the villain, as Donald Miller puts it, is something external to you and your business, right? So in, in the context of this book, it'd be barriers that keep you from reaching your ideal prospects, right? Common mm. villain. And it, it's the marketing message overload. It's the do not call registry. It's the gatekeepers, you know, to name a few. So that's, you know, that's that external thing. That's the villain. But and, and call that the external problem. And that's important to know. But there's another step that's critical. And that's what the villain makes your prospects and clients feel. Mm. That's the internal problem, the emotional response to the villain. The frustration, the doubt, the anxiety, fear, denial, intimidation, all the different emotions that people experience. So when we are talking about the problems that we solve, we've got to make sure that we get to the emotional level of those, the internal, the way people feel about the problems that they're experiencing and that you can solve. And that's going to resonate with them. They're going to pay attention uh, unconsciously. They're not even going to know why it resonates with them, but they're going to nod their head when they read your website or they read something you mail to them. And that that's by, you know, by presenting yourself as a guide to help them, the hero, address the external and internal problems is a very powerful way to build a business, present a business. Mm, I love it. Well, a lot of uh, persona marketing or uh, persona buyer insights, if you mm. will, uh, confuse mm. a prospect's demographic profile with a persona. What's what's wrong with that thinking, Bill? Well, it, it, it's it's actually just incomplete. So mm. when you know you'll hear the term persona, you hear the term avatar, ideal client, right fit client. They're kind of the same. I, we like to use the term right fit client because it just says, yeah, they're right for us. We're mm -hmm. right for them. They know it. It's a match, right? But most people stop at the demographics. They stop at the, the age, the, the mm -hmm. gender, the neighborhood, the uh, socioeconomic area, industry, whatever it is, all the demographic stuff. And, and that's important. I'm not saying we shouldn't know that. But then borrowing from the conversation we just had, what are the emotional aspects of your persona? So mm. when you develop your right fit client, ideal client persona, you have to go beyond just the demographic aspects to the psychographic aspects. What are their fears? What are their challenges? What are, what are, the, what are the emotional responses to all the problems that they experience? And so the people who develop great persona, it's really an exercise of, of determining your bullseye, right? And some people go to great extent to say, all right, my persona, my right fit client is from age, you know, 45 to 55. They're female. They're this, they're that. And they give these people names, right? Now, we, in my business, we have three right fit clients or personas. 
And the mistake that some people make if they have more than one, again, is is writing copy for the website or LinkedIn profile, whatever, that tries to address all the three of those people at once. Well, Mm. all that's going to do is water down and weaken your message. So what we do on our website, and a lot of folks do this, is you want people to self-identify. You know, who are they? And they click on that. That's the action you want from the homepage. And then they go to a stream of pages that are just for them. So in my case, we have corporate leaders, uh, CEOs, senior VPs, et cetera, that want to bring some of my training or consulting into their business. Well, they click a box. We have individuals, solopreneurs, other folks that want to learn about what we teach. They click a box. And then we have some people that are, you know, they have a meeting, they have a conference and they want a speaker uh, and they click that box. And then everything we give them is totally relevant to them rather than trying to put it all on one page and water it down. And so that's that's the value of getting crystal clear on your one or more personas. Well, Bill was was gracious enough to allow me to reschedule this interview. And the excuse I gave was all the you know hullabaloo of the holidays. The reality mm-hmm. is, um, as I've read this book, I have taken so many notes of things <laughs> I want to apply that I've read it at a snail's pace because I'm taking so many notes and, and haven't gotten any further along, I think, than halfway. That, that's a compliment. That's a good thing. I, <laughs> I do intend to finish this book, but I would have gotten a lot further if there weren't so many things I was wanting to apply and take well, notes let's, about. Let's just read it to everybody as we go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we can do that. Too. I want people to buy this book because it is definitely a book that's going to help you in your business. And, and I read it uh, sort of from two perspectives, I found. And as I read it, I, I was reading it and applying what I was reading to my own business. But at the same time, thinking about how I can use this to to help my clients. Well, you know, Jeff, that's how I wrote the book. I wrote the book thinking, what do I need to do? What am I doing? But also, mm. what do I need to do better? And also, how can people apply it to their business? You know, a lot of writers, uh, it's interesting, some will admit it, some won't, uh, write about what they need to learn better. They write about, you know, their things. And so, this is my first book out in a number of years. I should have written a number of years ago, but guess what? I need to stay relevant in my market, right? So I write a book about relevance and it helps me and helps everybody. <laughs> Amen. Well, I've got a couple of questions I want to ask you that aren't directly related to the book, but since we only covered about half the territory, I just wanted to give you a chance to share anything else from the book you, you want to make sure we know. Oh, gosh, there's, there's so much. I, I guess I want to mention a little bit just something we talk about uh, the uh, part four of the book, which up until that, we talk about strategic relevance. We talk about tactical relevance. So the mm. book is strategic and very tactical at the same time. But also then this concept of compelling, of movement. So not only do you want to be strategically and tactically relevant so you attract someone's attention and maintain their attention. But that's not the end goal. The end goal is to move them to take whatever action you want, as I mentioned previously. So uh, we have a section all about that. And one one of the ways to do that, of course, is to create a sense of urgency, right? Mm. Think about sporting events of any kind. There's usually a clock or there's innings or it could be the score, or there's a number of holes for golf, but there's always a, a way to create a sense of urgency, right? And the flip side is that what happens if you do nothing? Mm. And so one of the things we need to address when we talk in terms of marketing, client acquisition, is what happens if you do nothing, Mr. or Mrs. Client, Mr. or Mrs. Prospect? 
What's the cost of doing nothing? Yes, there is an investment in moving forward with what we offer, but there's also a cost to doing nothing. So that's one thing I wanted to talk about. And also, by the way, for some of the leaders who have larger companies, all of the principles in this book actually relate internally to a company Mm. in terms of clarity of vision, in terms of each person within a company knowing who their right fit client is. In other words, who are they serving and what do they do and how do they do it and why do they do it and what makes them different and all of that. It's amazing how these same principles can apply internally in a company. I'm writing some articles in a new book related to that. So that's a couple of things I want to touch on. Well, as I was taking uh, copious notes uh, as I read your book, one of the things I, I noted was the number of books you reference in, in mm. your book. I'd be curious to know, Bill, books over the course of your career, or if it helps narrow it down, maybe the last few years that have, that have impacted you tremendously and, and maybe sure how or why they, they impacted you as they did. Yeah. Uh, gosh, so many. Well, you know, I've already mentioned uh, Building Your Story Brand by mm-hmm. Donald Miller. It's a great book. It's kind of a slice of what I talk about in my book. Great book. And another book uh, that came out not too long ago by a colleague of mine, Jay Bear, B-A-E-R, yeah. is Talk Triggers. And, you know, since I'm in the world of word of mouth and, and referrals and introductions, it's a big part. I just I, I love that book. And that's particularly if you're if you're in more of a retail kind of situation, it's a great book. And then another book that I reference in this that is all, that I've also read uh, is is Biz Dev Done Right. B I Z D E V Business Development Right. Biz Dev Done Right by Karen Kopp. and that's about approaching. It's for the large, complicated sales. So if you're engaged mm-hmm. in any kind of large, complicated sales, uh, that's a great book. And you can get a glimpse of that in my book where I talk about uh, her differentiation mm-hmm. uh, formula that she uses when you approach new new uh, prospects. So those are three. I mean, I've read so many. Uh, I don't read one a week like you do, Jeff, but, <laughs> but probably one a month for sure. <laughs> you know, two of those three authors you mentioned, we have had on this show to talk about those exact ah, books. So I'll, I'll be sure and link to those in the show notes for those who want to follow up. And maybe that third author we need to talk to. Um, as someone who is doing a lot of uh, public speaking, of course, you're doing workshops on a regular basis as well. I'd be curious to know some of your tips, Bill, for delivering an impactful and, and memorable talk. Yeah, you know, it's funny because just yesterday I was talking to a gentleman uh, about this. He was helping me. I'm, I'm doing a program in his industry and mm-hmm. I wanted to learn more about the industry. But he was also giving a talk and he asked me the same question. <laughs> and so, guys, there's so much. But, but here, here's one. What I've learned is that if you connect with the audience in some way, and I'll tell you a few ways to do that in a minute, but if you connect with them, especially early on, the beginning of a talk, they will forgive you any weaknesses in your mm-hmm. presentation style. If you pace a little too much, if you lean against the podium, if you you know, say um a little more often than, you, than a Toastmaster would want you to, <laughs> right? But if you've connected, it's okay because they want you to be good mm-hmm. and they want to learn from you. And they're in in your court as long as you connect. So how do you do that? Well, one of the things I like to do whenever possible, it's not always possible, it usually is. I like to walk through the the crowd, however big it is, 20 or 2,000 or whatever, and shake hands. Hmm. And, and, And even if I can't shake everybody's hand, a lot of people see me doing it. So that creates a sense of connection because I'm also connecting with their colleagues. Uh, you can also connect in an, in an opening of a talk with humor, not a joke, but a humorous <laughs> anecdote or story or just a good, compelling story. Even a compelling statistic can create connection. What mm. you don't want to do is the classic mistake is you're introduced. You go out. Oh, it's great to be here. How's everybody doing today? <laughs> 
Oh, come on, come on. I can't hear you. Do it again. <laughs> right? No, please. <laughs> Start with your values. Start with something more compelling. Now, if you, you know, after you do your store, if you want to say, you know, it really is truly great to be here. I've had so much respect for this organization or whatever. I'm a customer of what you, any of that, fine. But do it later after mm-hmm. you've connected a little bit more. Uh, so that's, you know, there's so much we could talk about, but that's one one idea for you. Uh, I want to know, Bill, what's ahead for you and your team mm. that you're working on that you're excited about and willing to to share? Sure. Well, I love getting this message out. I'm doing a lot, a lot of speeches and workshops on this topic, as well as my standard uh, referral stuff. I, I, as I mentioned just briefly, I'm starting to write some articles and even have a book in, in mind for the large organization internal ways to use the same material. In other words, that internal messaging and how employees within a company can think a little more entrepreneurially. Sometimes they're called entrepreneurs and they need to know who their customers are and all that kind of stuff. So we're working on that a little bit. And then uh, I have another book uh, that I hope will be out by the end of the year. I decided I need to write a lot more because I love it. Mm. And it's one way to be more relevant. And I love to, to learn and I learn and I do it and I teach it. It's just very rewarding. It's really you know, around the referral process that I've been teaching for 25 years. And it's all the words, the scripts, you know, what to say to get more referrals, not just the principles. And but, you know, what do you actually say to someone? Mm. So that, that's going to be a very tactical book. So lo- lots of good stuff uh, ahead for me. Thank you for asking. Well, the title of the book, uh, once again, is Radical Relevance. Sharpen your marketing message. Cut through the noise. Win more ideal clients. I highly recommend it. I've got many, many more notes to take as I finish uh, the book later this week. His name is Bill Cates. Bill, uh, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing with us your knowledge and expertise gleaned from the last uh, couple of decades plus. We really appreciate it. You bet, Jeff. My pleasure. I recommend, too, that you pick up Bill's Radical Relevance Toolkit. You can grab a copy of that at RadicalRelevanceToolkit.com for free right now. I'll link to that as well in the show notes, where you can find all the other links and resources that Bill talked about, including the books he recommended. Again, that URL is ReadToLeadPodcast.com slash 300 for episode 300. Always appreciate your feedback, comments, suggestions, or questions. You can email those to me directly, Jeff at ReadToLeadPodcast.com. And don't forget to check out the Overwhelmed Brain podcast by Paul Coliani. Again, link in the show notes. Thank you for listening today. I hope you got as much out of this conversation with Bill as I did. That's going to do it for this week. I look forward to seeing you next time for the next episode of the Read to Lead podcast. Until then, remember, leaders read and readers lead. We'll be right back.